Cause we got the alternative energy Unmicular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Welcome to this week's edition of the Radioactive Show I'm Michaela As this show goes to air The first shipment of reprocessed nuclear fuel From the Lucas Heights reactor Will be arriving back to Australian shores will arrive by ship to Port Kimbler and be taken to Lucas Heights where it will be placed in interim storage. The Illawarra branch of the Maritime Union of Australia, the South Coast Labor Council and Beyond Nuclear Initiative will all be present as part of a community gathering to witness the shipment being unloaded and transported to Lucas Heights near Sydney. The current federal government plan is to keep it at Lucas Heights, where it was produced, for interim storage, and in five years' time take it to a remote dump site. But as we've been hearing on the Radioactive Show over the last few weeks, all six shortlisted sites being assessed for the dump are strongly contested. This week we'll be continuing to speak with campaigners and community members from the shortlisted sites. We'll head to Queensland where we hear from Bob Morrish from Inglewood near the Omanama site and Robin Torbenfeld, nuclear-free campaigner with Friends of the Earth Brisbane. But before that, there's some unwelcome news in a story that we've been following closely on the radioactive show for some years now. India, which has between 80 and 100 nuclear weapons, will be the first customer for Australian uranium that is not a signatory to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. In late November, the federal government announced that they had signed off on a deal to sell Australian uranium to India, despite a strong recommendation against this by the government's own Joint Standing Committee on Treaties. Dave Sweeney, nuclear-free campaigner with the Australian Conservation Foundation, joins us now with the details. Yeah, it's a very sad and shabby story, really, Michaela. What the... uh the, the basic gist of it is is that um, listeners will be aware that um, successive Australian governments have been very keen to try and bolster the opportunities of the under pressure and underperforming Australian uranium industry by looking for new uh, countries to sell to, and one that was a priority was uh, India, and it has been um, spoken about for quite a while. It was a, a very strong supported um, project by both uh, current Foreign Minister Julie Bishop and the former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Um, But because it involves a treaty action, um, then it needs to go, the the plan needed to go before uh, a parliamentary review group called the Joint Standing Committee on Treaties. Now that is a, a committee that's made up of of both senators and members of the lower house, the House of Representatives, and it includes all sorts of politicians, Labor, government, uh, so Liberal and National, um, and Greens as well. So it's a cross-party grouping and a cross-parliament grouping, and it's a grouping that was dominated by government members. Now, they took a lot of evidence, they took written submission, they held an inquiry, they took lots of evidence from groups like the ACF and from Friends of the Earth and the International Campaign for the Abolition of Nuclear Weapons and others. And they made a decision and a report in early September of this year. And it was a really considered report and it was a very strong decision that said do not sell uranium to India until a whole set 
of very important preconditions have been met. They said that there were real deficiencies in nuclear safety and nuclear security. They said that Australian uranium could be and would be um, increasing nuclear instability and risk into the region. And they said that a whole range of steps needed to be taken before there could be any credible confidence or assurance that Australian uranium would not be fueling increased uncertainty and threat. Now, within two months, the Australian government responded to that report and the response was to sign a sales deal with India to remove any procedural impediment to uranium exports. And in relation to the key recommendation of not selling at this time and under the terms of this treaty, the Australian government's response was, we do not accept this recommendation. So it is a decision that has put nuclear interest before the national interest. It's a decision that is strictly political. It flies in the face of all the evidence and all the concerns. And it is also a decision that shows a contempt for parliamentary process, for evidence and for good policy development. Mm. And so we've seen this situation occur before with the sales of uranium to Russia and other places. How is it that the government can just ignore the really important work of these committees? And yeah, I mean, it just seems like a huge amount of time and energy has gone into thoroughly investigating that. I'm just wondering how the government can keep getting away with ignoring yeah, this. Yeah, that, that, is, that is absolutely the question. Like, um, you know, the, the question is, how is it possible for the government to ignore um, very clear recommendations from across parliamentary committee? What is the point of the check and balances in the parliamentary system? And is it that they now see the role of uh, Western democracy in the Westminster system is that once every four years you go into a cardboard box, pick up your grey lead pencil, tick the appropriate square and then you disappear for four years and you leave it to them because they know best. That seems to be the approach because they are cutting corners, they are fast-tracking, they are being politically driven without reference to either due process, existing or standard parliamentary procedures or evidence. All those things are deeply dangerous. If you put nuclear materials into that mix, it's particularly dangerous. And so it is a real concern. And you're right when you say there is a precedent with this and, and uh, a precedent where the government overrode um, caution from an earlier J. Scott committee in relation to uranium sales to Russia. But it's an interesting thing because since that time, Australia has suspended uranium sales to Russia directly in response to some of the concerns that were flagged in the J. Scott report that they were in such a hurry for commercial imperatives and for political reasons to override. So we certainly aren't giving up on this. Like uranium sales to India, when the Indian Auditor-General has said that unless the Indian nuclear system is changed, there will be Fukushima with an Indian name... Now, uranium sales to India from us, the country that directly fueled Fukushima, without checks and balances, without adequate scrutiny, without the improvements that the government-dominated own committee said were essential, that cannot be accepted. It cannot be taken as, oh, well, 
the government's got the numbers, so that's what they'll do. We will explore what we can to challenge this. We will continue to contest this politically and in the public realm. We will continue to hold both the government and any company that intends or seeks to supply uranium to India accountable and keep pressure on them. And we will seek to get this issue revisited because Australia has an important role to play in meeting the legitimate energy needs of India, but Australia does not have a role to play in directly, deliberately and willfully fueling nuclear risk and instability in that region. That is not in the interests of Australia. It's not in the interests of the people of India. And the government here has turned its back on a common sense and prudent set of recommendations from its own people and from people who support the uranium trade and from people who support uranium sales to India, unlike ACS, unlike Friends of the Earth, these are pro-nuclear people who have looked at this deal and said this is a bad deal. And the government has still put the promise of a dollar ahead of the proven existence of danger. We have a responsibility and we will step up to that responsibility to continue to hold them accountable, to continue to challenge and to continue to contest this trade and this treaty. Do we know which companies are seeking to sell uranium to India and who will benefit from this deal? Well, the, the, the Australian uranium industry is in, is in real difficulty, as many listeners know. In 2014, we sold less uranium than we had for the 16 years previously. The industry currently, currently employs less than 1,000 people, and the number is shrinking. Um, one of the companies that would have looked to advance this, this uh, deal and sales from it is Energy Resources of Australia, but I doubt very much that they'll get the opportunity because they are winding down rapidly. They are um, in significant trouble and their operations in Kakadu are fortunately fading and will move from a mining operation to a rehabilitation operation over the next couple of years. So that then puts the majority of the focus on the world's largest mining company and on the company that operates the world's largest uranium deposit, which is BHP Billiton and Olympic Dam in South Australia. And so we'll be you know, making our views clear to BHP Billiton and we'll be making our views clear also to those in both the government, the Labor Party, the Greens. There are many in the Parliament who have concerns about this. And because this deal has been signed, it is a blow. It is a major setback. No amount of repositioning or spin from us can make that any different. This is a major setback for those of us who want to see either nuclear-free or nuclear-responsible Australia. But having said that, a bad deal is a long way from a done deal. A plan and a signature is a long way from a loaded ship. And we will make that passage and that road as contested and as tough as possible. That was Dave Sweeney, nuclear-free campaigner with the Australian Conservation Foundation, speaking about the recently signed deal to sell Australian uranium to India. You're tuned into the radioactive show Across These Stolen Lands, the settlers call Australia. Now we return to our coverage of nominated sites for a national nuclear waste dump. 
On Friday 13th of November, the federal government released their shortlist of six nominated sites to be investigated for a national nuclear waste dump. All the sites have been strongly contested, and from what we've been hearing from members of local communities, the federal government is really making a mess of their new process by failing to address the very serious concerns raised by locals about the suitability of these sites. The details of the waste management plan and even the necessity for a remote dump. Today, we'll focus on the Amanama site near Inglewood in Queensland and we'll hear first from nuclear-free campaigner Robin Torbenfeld and then from Inglewood local Bob Morrish. You went to a community meeting with folks from the area near Omanama, one of the sites nominated for further exploration for a potential nuclear waste dump. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know of the site and, and your impressions from that meeting? Sure, thanks for asking. Uh, we did go out to Inglewood. I'm from Friends of the Earth in Brisbane, and it's about a three-hour drive. It's an hour west of the major centre uh, Warwick, and a to a town called Inglewood, where the mayor had actually called a community meeting after having been awoken in the morning on um, the um, week before with the announcement uh, from by the media asking him for his opinion about the site nearby at Omanama being nominated as a potential radioactive waste storage facility. Apparently, he was outraged at the process, uh, completely taken by surprise, immediately swamped by uh, community members um, wanting more information and and therefore ha- the mayor took the initiative of organizing a public meeting. This is a very large regional shire that takes in Gundawindi in the Inglewood, Texas, a large part of the uh, it's an amalgamated shire west of Warwick in, in Queensland and a, a pastoralist has nominated this site unbeknownst to um, his neighbors. So we saw immediately some media from local community members, organic olive growers, and other people in the region uh, very concerned about the potential of radioactive waste coming to their community, and certainly uh, extremely concerned about the process. Uh, we did attend the public meeting with an uh, ANSTO representative and representatives from the federal government, and the sentiment was really much of concern not only about the potential for the radioactive waste, but the constant reassurance by the government that it's safe and the constant questioning of, if it's so safe, why are you trying to put this into our community? If it's so safe, why was this kept a secret? Why was nobody notified? Uh, really questioning the process. And I think for us who are um, sharing the community's concern, this process has completely backfired and certainly raised level of um, the concern in the community and the heightened sense of opposition to something that we're certain that uh, won't go ahead in Queensland because we're certain we will stop it here and we will work with other communities around Australia to ensure that this process stops and that the government takes the time, uh, takes the initiative instead of foisting radioactive waste on remote communities' land um, to do a complete inventory and reassessment of the process of how we have to, how they are going to store the radioactive waste produced primarily in Sydney um, that needs to be monitored and managed in perpetuity. 
we were also alarmed that the state government seemed to be unaware of the process and um, offered that it was open to uh, the discussion. And, and we want to reiterate to the people in Queensland, of course, and around Australia, that Queensland does in fact have a Nuclear Prohibitions Act in place, that the Nuclear Facilities Prohibitions Act in place, and any attempt to um, force a place national radioactive waste in Queensland should trigger that act and should trigger a plebiscite. The act does specifically prohibit the placing of radioactive waste in Queensland as well as nuclear power. Queensland does have a state uh, radioactive waste storage repository at S that is above ground dry storage facility and Queensland has a management plan for its waste. It's unacceptable for this national waste to be um, placed in a remote community in an out-of-sight, out-of-mind approach by the federal government and will ensure that if that attempt goes further, a plebiscite will be called in Queensland to make sure that all of Queenslanders are considered stakeholders in this national affair. I'm Bob Morris. Um, I live... uh on the outskirts of a small town in uh, southeast Queensland, Inglewood, an inland town, and uh, that's uh, about 20 kilometres away from the little uh, hamlet of Amanama, which is uh, near the site for the proposed radioactive uh, waste disposal facility. Mm. And how did you first find out that this site had been nominated? I think I, um, I... saw it in a newspaper um, and very shortly uh, Inglewood being a, a small country town, small friendly country town uh, within about a day nearly everybody was talking about it and and so I guess every, people who hadn't already seen it in the paper or heard an, uh, a news broadcast uh, found out by word of mouth but I certainly saw it I think uh, the morning it was announced. Mm. And what sort of things are people saying? What was the initial response? Well, I think the initial response was pretty, uh, um, well, a, a response of some degree of, uh, of apprehension. And uh, the, uh, but people were prepared to, uh, to wait and see what the uh, Commonwealth Government representatives said at the meeting that was uh, organised by the Gundawindi Regional Council. We're part of the Gundawindi region. And uh, um, and there was a very big turn up at that meeting, and um, yeah, we, we listened to the um, to the presentations that were made by um, basically by bureaucrats from uh, the from the Commonwealth Department um, and from ANSTO, the uh, um, the, the organisation that runs the nuclear reactor at Lucas Heights, and uh, yeah, I think. Uh, as soon as people began to realise a little bit of the um, details of the situation, quite a lot of the audience became quite much more alarmed and asked uh, a fair few questions, which um, were not entirely uh, answered in a straightforward way. I feel uh, the uh, you know pe- people were very concerned about about three things here. Obviously, the overwhelming concern is about the safety of of uh, such a, a, a waste dump. Um, then the second question is, well, the second concern is that um, the perception of uh, the general community that 
uh, land values might fall um, in the vicinity of this area. Englewood, I'm fairly sure, does not wish to be known as a as the site of a a radioactive waste dump, and uh, I think that's a valid concern people have. Uh, unfortunately, the 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 presentation from the the people proposing the uh, this this uh, waste dump um, blurred a couple of uh, things together, which should be kept separate. It, it was in order to sell this proposal, the the general strategy seems to be to say that well, it's all pretty well all um, medical waste and it's very low level and there's a very short half-life and, uh, and it's quite safe and that it would be churlish for people to object to life-saving medical procedures just because they didn't like uh, the waste dump. And, and of course, that, that tends to... Uh, th- that kind of approach tends to uh, attempt to... Uh, make people feel guilty. Why? Why would you want to oppose life-saving medical procedures? But the 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 um, the thing that was carefully avoided was that it won't just be a dump for that sort of stuff. It will also be a dump for intermediate level waste, which is in fact um, reprocessed spent um, nuclear reactor fuel rods. A much different proposition. And the uh, the no, the presenters at this meeting didn't want really to talk about this at all. We were given no specific details about which um, radioactive materials are involved. Um, uh, they, they just glossed it away. It was intermediate level waste, which would require more secure containment than the low level waste. Um, so it's been left to the community to find out for themselves just what this intermediate level waste is. And certainly in my case, the more I find out about it, the the more alarmed I am. This is the Radioactive Show across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and we're speaking with Bob Morrish from Inglewood, the town near Amanama, one of the six shortlisted sites which is being assessed by the federal government for a national nuclear waste dump. Let's return and hear a bit more from him now. It seems like everywhere they've been, the government really hasn't been at all prepared for for the community's very valid questions about some of the important detail of this project. Well, that's true, Michaela. And I also got the impression that um, there was a definite attempt to steer the conversation away from, from some of the real dangers of intermediate level waste and... Uh, and an attempt to really to gloss over it uh, as if uh, as if there could be no possible objections. And uh, um, one or two people in the audience asked questions about the possibility of uh, truck rollovers uh, carrying the waste. And, uh, you know, a very valid question. Truck rollovers happen, unfortunately, happen a lot. It's, it's part of the transport industry and part of... Yeah, it's just one of those things that happens. But uh, the... That question was very much glossed over as if it if it were unimportant. And uh, one thing the presenters did not inform us was that uh, the uh, the shocking level of accidents that have been recorded ever since the nuclear industry began. Um, I was just totally uh, uh, surprised to find just how many accidents of, of varying levels of uh, importance have happened in that industry. All we get to hear about 
are the really big ones like Chernobyl, Three Mile Island and Fukushima. But of course there have been literally thousands of accidents of um, varying degrees of, um, of danger that have happened in this industry ever since 1945. And the community needs to be told about this uh, and not, not have those sorts of facts either hidden or glossed over. Yes, that's right. It seems like it's not in their best interest to uh, treat the community in this way if they want to try and establish some form of trust in order to go ahead with this anyway. Yeah, well, that's my feeling. I mean, and there are lots of questions that that still have to be answered. For instance, um, if this material is already being stored at Lucas Heights, um, where it's generated um, in the mine, um why does it have to be shifted somewhere else? Um, another question that springs to mind, and I think the community are very well aware of this question. If it's so safe as the um, as the government people are attempting to tell us, um, why, why does it need to be shifted anywhere? Why, yeah, why, why look for somewhere um, away from the main centres of population uh, to store it? Uh, it's as if... Uh, it's as if they they want to make some uh, some small community like the Inglewood community and the Amanamar community um, a uh, a scapegoat for the rest of uh, the rest of their mistakes in a way. Mm. And did they talk at all about uh, how the waste would be transported from Lucas Heights to the site? Uh, yes, they mentioned that it'd be transported on trucks, and so you know. Um, this is a busy highway here, the, the, the highway that, that runs through Inglewood, the Cunningham Highway. And if it's coming from the south, say from Lucas Heights, it'll eventually come up either via the New England Highway to Warwick and then uh, back west to Inglewood, but more likely up the Newell Highway through Gundawindi and then into the Cunningham Highway uh, through Inglewood to Amanama. And now um, these are very busy highways, a lot of truck traffic and... Yeah, in, in pure statistical terms, um, an increasing frequency of accidents due, due to the heavy volume of traffic. And, uh, you know, they certainly glossed over the question about whether there could be a problem with trucks rolling over. And I think that that is not a question to be lightly uh, uh, glossed over. And can you tell me a little bit about the area? Because I understand it's quite a strong agricultural region. Um, certainly, Michaela. It's... A fairly productive agricultural region. It's on the, the southwestern edge of the Darling Downs in Queensland, which is a prime agricultural area. The major industries have uh, been, in the past, cattle and sheep grazing, uh, wool growing, and uh, more lately, uh, crops like wheat, uh, other crops, horticultural crops, and more recent times, um, there's been a large-scale production of organic olives. And in fact, there's a very large organic olive plantation almost next door to the proposed site. So, uh, you know, I think there people should be validly asking the questions about what the presence of a radioactive waste dump will do to that, particularly to organic agriculture. Mm. So, um, what is the next step uh, for for the community now? Well, the general community will await uh, news of another um, consultation meeting. Um, but meanwhile, the, 
some of us who have, have done a bit of homework on this will certainly be preparing uh, lots of more detailed questions for the for the uh, bureaucrats from the Commonwealth and the ANSTO people. And uh, and in fact, I think there's certainly a, I'm detecting a groundswell of opinion here where it may well be uh, on the cards that we set up a, a resistance group. Mm. Excellent. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, I think only that it's come to my uh, attention, Michaela, that um, that uh, the government has, the federal government has taken a, uh, a decision to increase the production of medical isotopes from uh, from Lucas Heights, and of course, in producing them, um, there'll be an increased use of, of nuclear fuel. Uh, the isotopes themselves, not to worry so much as the increased production. Um, and this is is becoming an outmoded technology. Um, the uh, Apparently, Lucas Heights wants to supply something like 30% of the world's demand, which was previously supplied by Canada. And I understand that Canada is now phasing out the use of nuclear reactors to produce these isotopes in favour of much less invasive techniques like uh, the use of accelerators and cyclotrons, which pose far less risk in terms of radioactive contamination. So um, it appears to me that the Commonwealth, uh, Commonwealth government, um, somewhat in a similar manner to its, uh, uh, its gung-ho pushing for a coal industry to keep going, is is wanting to proceed with outmoded technologies for the production of medical isotopes when, uh, when in both instances, much more environmentally sensitive technologies are rapidly becoming available. That was Bob Morish from Inglewood near Omanama, one of the six shortlisted sites being assessed for a national nuclear waste dump. And that brings us to the end of another radioactive show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll continue bringing you more of these stories from folks impacted directly by the Nuclear Waste Dump site nominations. Thanks to today's contributors, Dave Sweeney, Robin Torbenfeld and Bob Morrish. If you'd like to hear more from people at the shortlisted sites, you can find the podcast of our previous shows at 3cr.org.au backslash radioactive. The comment period on the six shortlisted sites is open now until the 11th of March 2016 and you can lodge a comment by email at radioactivewaste at industry.gov.au This show was produced in the studios of 3CR on the lands of the Kulin Nations, Collingwood, Victoria. The Radioactive Show is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and if you'd like to get in contact, please email us on radioactive.3cr at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook page. Tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues.